What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Wrestling, 20% 
of all food and drink proceeds is going to go to the Relay for Life. Um, so just come down. We're going to have SmackDown on the TVs. We're going to have uh, Wrestling on Fire on the TVs. So it's just going to be a night to just kind of hang out with other wrestling fans and watch some wrestling on the TV. And if you are interested, you know, I'm one of those guys. I'm a memorabilia nut. I love uh, wrestling memorabilia here in the my humble little studios for the Ken Reedy Show. I have a, a bunch of autographed stuff hanging up. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of getting memorabilia. And I'm actually looking forward to purchasing some raffle tickets because we got a lot of cool stuff uh, being raffled off. And uh, some major thank yous uh, going out tonight. Uh, Lucky 13. Be sure to go check out Lucky 13 on Facebook. They're always got their hands in, like, signings and, and big stars and everything. So go check out Lucky 13. Uh, they gave us an assortment of, go figure, 13 pictures. Uh, among them, we have uh, the beautiful people, Robbie E., Brooke Tessmacher. Uh So come on down. You can buy a raffle ticket and, and win some, some stuff from Lucky 13 promotions. And Lucky 13, I mean, they November 9th, they're going to be tied into the big event, and they're bringing original NWO members, Hall and Nash, are going to be there. So Lucky 13, you know, Great organization. Thanks for donating some stuff. So that's going to be up for raffling. Jordan Thomas uh, gave us a few autographed pictures, among them Head Shrinker Samu. So check that out. Our friend Nunzio. You might know him as Little Guido. Uh, still in the box. Ruthless aggression action figure signed by Nunzio himself. Uh, so that will be up for raffle. And, uh, a little later on, we're going to have John on here from M&J Collectibles talking about some of the stuff he donated, but uh, it's on the way. Uh, he's got an assortment of 40 autographed pictures and two large autographed posters that we're going to be raffling off, so uh, that's really exciting, and, and I think we're going to do, we're going to, we're going to package these things. So you buy a raffle ticket, you can win, uh, you know, for some of the raffles, more than one item, so... Uh, M&J Collectibles are nice enough to give us uh, 40 picks and two posters, so thanks, M&J. Um, we just got this in this past weekend, but Busted Open Radio. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you know Busted Open, Sirius XM's premier wrestling program. Uh, they've agreed to let us raffle off a visit, a visit to the Sirius XM studios, which is cool. So, I mean, you get to go. You'll hang out with the Busted Open crew. And you know what? Even if you, you you like wrestling, you're not the biggest wrestling fan, but come on down because if you win this raffle, you know, it, it, it's Sirius XM. You'll be inside the studio. So you get to see uh, the studios and, uh, you know, who knows who you'll run into while at Sirius XM. So thank you to Busted Open for uh, donating a, a tour and uh, hanging with the guys for a day so you can win that as well. And, uh, as you guys know, I do a commentary for Wrestling on Fire, and uh, don't know exactly what we're getting, but after this show tonight, I'm heading on over to the studio, do some voiceover work, and I've been told we're going to be giving some stuff to uh, raffle off from Wrestling on Fire as well, so when we get the specifics as far as that, we will let you know uh, what we're raffling off there. So a ton of stuff to win uh, this Friday night at the Peppermill South in uh, Congress, New York, so you can come down. It's all going to a good cause, and once I get everything together, I'll post something on the website and on the Facebook exactly what's being raffled off, and on top of everything, we're going to have a 50-50 raffle, so 
you're not into the wrestling memorabilia, you're going to have a shot to win some money as well. So check that out. Hoping we get the website up really quickly, but we're going to be, uh, you know, all the information will be up there on the website. So, But remember, just in case the website's not going, this Friday, May 31st, Peppermill South, Congress, New York, 8 to 12, Kenry's show presents Tap Out Cancer. So we're really excited about that. And there you have it. We're excited to be back here after taking a weekend off, Memorial Day uh, weekend. As always, my tag team partner is on the line. Dave, how was your Memorial Day weekend? It, was, it wasn't bad. I really can't complain. I went to a, a stag party for a buddy of mine who's getting married in about a month. So, uh, you know, had some fun, did a little raffle there, too. They gave away some good prizes. And uh, then we went to a local gentleman's club establishment afterwards. And uh, I didn't get any prizes there, but, uh, you know, uh, we, we enjoyed ourselves. Overall, weekend wasn't bad. The weather kind of got better as the weekend went on so i was i was happy because you know in the northeast it's, there's been a lot of rain and it was very you know very cold um first few days of the holiday weekend but uh yesterday and sunday the weather seemed to have uh, uh gotten better and uh made the weekend a little bit more enjoyable yeah it was a good time I had a good time this weekend got to see you know if you guys are are, are in the area if you ever had a chance to see uh the cover band the nerds uh, they're amazing. So got went out Saturday night and got to see them. Hung out down the shore again. Like you said, the weather wasn't cooperating, but uh, you know it was good to at least just get out and pretend that summer's starting. Uh, you know, and it's funny. I gotta tell you, you know, I love, I love social media. I mean, I, I just think it's it's incredible. You know what what that's done to change our society. You know, the the ability to reach people. Um, you know, it's social media and even on the blog talk. I mean, the the ability to just get out there and and reach people and also the ability to connect with celebrities or, or your favorites out there. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy Facebook. I enjoy Twitter, but I got to tell you, man, I don't know if you saw the pics, but I'm, I'm tooling around on Twitter. I'm looking at stuff, you know, and, and of course, obviously I'm, I'm, I follow Hulk Hogan on Twitter, man, I guess, you know, get well soon Hulkster, but, Hulkster tweeted some gruesome pics this weekend. His radiator exploded uh, on his hand and uh, caused, I mean, there was one pic where it didn't even look like a hand. Uh, and so huge, enormous blisters and uh, had to go to the hospital. And, of course, when he goes to the hospital, felt the need to tweet those pictures, too. So the, the doc uh, cutting open the, the blisters and tending to them. Uh, yeah, so yeah, going on the social media and following him on Twitter, it's like, oh, let's see what's going on with Hulk Hogan and uh, saw those pics, man. Dave, did you see the pics? Yeah, they were they're disgusting. I mean, you know, get well, Hulk, but uh, yeah, I, honestly, the, the, somebody made mention that he put a picture up, a, a gruesome picture, and I don't have the best stomach when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, I was just about getting ready to get something to eat, actually, at this stag party when I logged on to Facebook and saw it. And um, needless to say, my, my appetite was virtually almost gone at that point. I had a hard time stomaching the rest of my meal uh, from what I saw. It was just uh, gruesome. I, ugh, I, I, let's move on, please. I'm like, I can't. Ugh. Yeah, we have a great show for you tonight. Got a lot to talk about. Obviously, you missed Sunday, so we got a lot more to talk about on the Tuesday show. We got Joe E. Legend. We'll be joining us in a little bit, talking uh, about wrestling, his career, all the stuff. He's got, like, TV series and, and movies and, and books. 
as well as wrestling. So we got a lot of stuff to talk to uh, about with with him. So he's going to be joining us a little bit later on. But uh, one of the things I wanted to get into, and we're we're in the week leading up to Slammiversary, and as always, as we love to do on Sundays, this Sunday we'll do our our pregame show for the pay-per-view going into Slammiversary. Um, interesting developments going on on Impact this past Thursday with one AJ Styles uh, changing it up a bit, coming down. All signs are pointing in the direction of him joining Ace and Eights. And you're kind of wait, waiting for that, that swerve that he's not really going to join. And then, then he hits Kurt Angle with a hammer. He's like, oh, he's really joining Ace and Eights. He's part of them. And then he hits Doc with a hammer. So it's kind of cool. He's I, I don't know. It was funny because he got booed and then got a big pop. Um, you, I, you can't call him a face. You can't call him a heel. AJ Styles walks alone. Um, again, one of those things that I'm curious exactly where they're going to go with it and, and how this character is going to evolve and uh you know, just how long he can keep up this this loner persona, but uh, at least found it somewhat interesting. And again, as they're continuing with the repackaging of AJ Styles, um, don't really know where they're going to go, but at least it was a moment in and of itself that I found uh, intriguing. Your thoughts, Dave? Um, I mean, there was one point in the show, uh, it was Angle and Anderson, and uh, Styles came out, caused a distraction. Anderson won the match. Um, and then at the end of the match, Anderson kind of looked over at Styles and kind of gave him a grin or a nod, and Styles really didn't react to it much, and he just kind of walked away. And that's when I, that's when I, the, the seed was planted in my head that he was, you know, that there's the possibility of a swerve, a strong possibility of a swerve. Um, and then at one point when he drank the beer, if it was really beer in the bottle, um, because it's been publicly known AJ Styles is not a drinker, um, that's when I that's when I figured, okay, he's gonna swerve. He's really making them believe that he's a part of the group. It just didn't really it just didn't really seem a, a, a fit to me for him to be a part of the group. And uh I thought it kinda took a little too long for him to finally reveal that he was uh not with them, but I'm intrigued that I think he's going to kind of do his own thing and just be on his own. I mean, when this whole thing started with his downward spiral into depression, you know, it, the one thing he said was, is I'm going to start doing what's best for AJ Styles and, you know, kind of doing things on my own. And uh, I couldn't really see him being aligned with anybody. So um, I could kind of, I mean, I don't know who else they have on the roster that they'd like to align him with, but I, w I wouldn't be as opposed to seeing AJ Styles kind of form his own little group of, you know, band of misfits or guys who feel that they've been dejected. Maybe eventually, you know, Aces and Eights will kick D'Lo out of the group and D'Lo will align with AJ and kind of be like another loner, so to speak, because he can't go back to TNA after he turned their back on them. So, I think this is. I think AJ for a while is going to be kind of walking his own path, and maybe he'll have a group of people with him, or maybe he'll just maybe he'll just kind of do it on his own. But uh, it was it was a solid segment, and we finally got a definitive answer because week after week it's been you got to give us an answer, you got to give us an answer. They give him an ultimatum, and then he doesn't answer, and it just makes like you know it made like guys like Hogan and Kurt Angle look stupid, you know, wanting an answer and not getting one yet. He still comes trots out on TV each week doing whatever he wants. So um, 
But yeah, it was a solid segment, and I, I, I'm, I'm not making a very bold prediction, but I, I could kind of see this leaning towards AJ Styles and Bully Ray for the world title at uh, Bound for Glory in October. And that'd be cool. Yeah, it, it's funny that you said because like the whole show, I kind of thought, all right, you know, he's he's not joining Ace and Ace. He's playing games. Um, and then it was like when he hit Angle, like wait, oh wait a second, you know. Maybe he is, and maybe they fooled us, and he's joining Ace and Eights, but then he obviously is not joining Ace and Eights. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I kind of like the whole where they're going with him. Again, you know, you don't know how far they can go. Uh, you don't know how long they can keep him uh, in this persona, but it was at least intriguing. And, and we talked a lot about on the show about, uh, you know, repackaging of AJ Styles and I'm interested. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not at the point where I'm like bonafide. This story kicks ass, and I'm I'm totally engaged. But it, I, I'm more interested in AJ Styles and where he's going to go with his character uh, than I've been in quite some time. And it's interesting because you look at like, you know, the way TNA and Impact Wrestling has been uh, continuing and moving on, and, and a lot of the storylines. Uh, in, in the company right now, center in some way, shape, or form around Ace and Eights. Ace and Eights is dominating a lot of impact television. And we've reached a point that it seems in the world of professional wrestling uh, that factions are, are making a comeback. And I've always been a big fan of factions. Uh, you know, some over the course of history have been done uh, the right way and some not so much. Some have been done the right way at first and down the road, they kind of dropped the ball. But, uh, you know, factions are coming back. Uh, the Shield is definitely uh, one faction that I think most wrestling fans, including Dave and myself, are very high on and uh, think, you know, if booked correctly, uh, sky's the limit for these guys. Uh, and why, don't, you know, why don't we start there? We talked a little bit about Ace and Ace and what they're doing in TNA. But, you know, the Shield right now, um, at least close, Dave, are, are – are they the most entertaining thing in wrestling right now? To me, in my opinion, they're must-see TV on WWE. Um, from their in-ring work to, uh, you know, the unpredictability of who they're going to attack. I mean, you know, we were in attendance the night after WrestleMania, and, uh, you know, when they when they kind of had their sights set on The Undertaker, and that was pretty cool because it was, you know, a bunch of fresh faces getting in the ring with a guy like The Undertaker. Um, you know, like I like I've said, I'd love to see them have some sort of interaction with Triple H. Maybe it'll happen down the line. But to me, like I said, there's just an unpredictability about them that makes it exciting to watch them. And and even their in ring work too. You know, when the the six there was that six man tag last week on Raw, with Cena and Hell No against them, and it was an awesome six, the elimination match, awesome six man tag. And then they had a great tag team match on last night's show. Um, their in-ring work is, you know, solid and exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, at first, when they when they paired Reigns and uh, Rollins together, I was kind of hoping for, you know, all three of them to win the titles and do the, the whole Freebird rule where, you know, any combination of the three, you know, any, any, two, any two of those three guys could defend the belts. But I'm kind of liking the Reigns and Rollins combo and keeping Ambrose separate in the singles role. Um, we've talked about before how, the six-man tags can get repetitive. Well, now you got a different variation with just the, the, the two guys in a tag match and Ambrose in a single. So, um, 
you know, I, I enjoy what they're doing. And, you know, I, I, I said it when they first started. Ambrose has got star in the making, you know, and I even said it on our, our, uh, our special WWE Championship uh, retrospective show. You know, I think Rain, Roman Reigns is eventually going to surpass Ambrose, who's the Internet darling right now, and uh, he'll probably get a first first crack at the WWE Championship. He's just got a, a, a way about him, this look, and I, I can't say enough good things about those guys. I think they're just exciting to watch, and they're definitely – when I do fantasy wrestling, I at least make sure one member of the Shield is on my fantasy roster every week because I know that they're going to be on television, and I know they're going to do something that's going to, you know – be appealing and you know attractive to wrestling fans. Agreed, and and it's interesting because they are you know one of the things when we play the fantasy wrestling, um, you know, it, it TV time is is a big deal as far as points, and and it's interesting because the same thing happened. You know, I played fantasy football for years, and I've played some fantasy baseball, and now uh, fantasy wrestling at, at realfantasywrestling.com, and. Uh, you know, it, it it makes you look at certain things differently. And one of the things is because you get points for TV time, I agree with you. I mean, I've tried to work my salary cap to get all three members of the Shield on my roster at times. It doesn't really work out usually. But, uh, yeah. you, know, I did, you know, you want to get at least one because they're on TV a lot. They get a lot of TV time. And when I, when I was thinking about that, I was like, well, they get a lot of TV time, and I'm not bored with them yet. I'm not, like, looking at them like, oh, geez, another – another shield segment. So, I mean, that's one of the things that sat has sat well with me with this group that they are they're continuing to be interesting as you said, they're continuing to be uh must-see TV and a very strong faction right now and a lot of the storylines similar to Ace and Eights and TNA, a lot of things centered around uh what the shield is going to do, who their next victim is going to be. So, uh you know, a lot of stuff going right right now for the Shield. Interestingly enough, last night on Raw we saw a promo for the Wyatts and uh, another another faction coming in, another three man group. Uh, it looks right now, um, formerly known as as Husky Harris, uh, kind of looking like they are a cult kind of thing. It was interesting because initially, like, it almost struck me as a a Cape Fear kind of thing, but. Uh, I think his, his character is kind of similar to that, but it's it's more got the makings of, of a family cult kind of looking thing. Uh, creepy and excited to see what they're going to do. And it's, it's interesting now, like, again, we're looking at factions, uh, a faction that I'm actually excited to see uh, their debut, Dave. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of work on YouTube from uh, from the Wyatts on, uh, you know, the NXT program. And uh, it's it's something that I'm looking to you know look really looking forward to see on the main stage. You said like creepy and eerie, and you know we talked about it in the pregame you know in our, our pre-show meeting. But uh, they kind of remind me of like if, if any fans out there watch the television show Justified on FX, it's about a uh, a, a U.S. marshal out in Kentucky in the South, and they kind of deal with you know like weird, creepy, kind of like southern bad guy characters like that. And that's what kind of it reminded me of. And I think it could really draw some some heat and attention with the with the cult-like gimmick and, the, you know, them kind of preaching their own ways. Um, almost a, a darker version of what you would do, of, of the Straight Edge Society, a group that really didn't get enough uh, – 
uh, enough television time and didn't really have, you know, they could have done a lot more with. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. And I liked Husky Harris when he was Husky Harris on, you know, NXT, the original NXT. And uh, when I didn't really care for him in the Nexus, but I thought he was one of the better of better uh, performers out of the other guys that were on that, that show. Um, he just had like a different look about him. And uh, I'm really excited to see what they can do. If the company doesn't put any limitations on these guys and just kind of lets them roll with this, with this gimmick, they could draw some serious heat and be some major players and make some positive contributions to the television product. Definitely. I mean, I, you know, again, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, where do they go with this this faction? I mean, you you have a faction that looks like at least they're going to skate the lines of being PG. Uh, it's creepy. It's cultish. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing exactly uh, what they're going to do with this group. One of the guys I'm actually really excited about, and a lot of you guys might know him as Brody Lee. Uh, he's wrestled all over the place. I actually had the benefit of of uh, wrestling, wrestling, uh, calling one of his wrestling matches. He was in the NWA. He wrestled uh, for NWA uh, Rochester, and now he's, I believe he's, he's uh, going under the name of Bray Wyatt. Um, this guy is a seven-footer that some of the stuff this guy can do uh, for a seven-footer is, is pretty impressive, and uh, I'm excited to see his debut. So it, it's interesting, you know, it looks like it should be a very – exciting faction as we look at the increase of of factions in wrestling it's kind of interesting because you have we're excited about the Wyatts Uh, I I think we're kind of we've been excited but maybe we're kind of uh, maybe a little bit on the fence with Ace and Eights I don't think there are many fans of 3MB out there Uh, we we love what they've done with the Shield so there's there's a mixed bag going on right now, factions, but there's definitely a, a return to that. Um, you know, and we've had over the course of history uh, different factions and uh, you know different groups, and uh, you know some of them some of them successful, some of them not so much. And it really boils down to you know booking solid, uh, making them look strong. Uh, interesting stuff because we posed that on the Facebook page. We want to know your guys' take on uh, factions and different groups. And uh, Marcus Kane wrote, factions can be great or limiting to solo workers within them. It depends on how it's handled. Uh, Ace and Eights had a chance to showcase guys with no real gimmicks, but chose to add names to it, effectively crushing the hopes of the undercard guys at being main eventers. So for them, the faction does little good now, maybe in the future. So Marcus being critical of Ace and Eights, Tony Generico... Factions with a purpose can can help talent in more ways than one, from the horsemen to the freebirds, it works. However, when you just throw guys together for no good real reason, it tends to flop like the Job Squad or 3MB. And Frank Bintaro just puts in all caps, evolution, exclamation points. And it was interesting because, Dave, in our pre-show meeting, we were talking about uh, evolution. And, I, you know, to me, historically, it's not a group that comes up uh, often, but a very underrated group, a very solid group, a group that uh, you know you didn't you didn't see it hanging on or or you know adding too many different members. Uh, it was great. It broke up. That was it. It was kind of a you know it was good while it existed. Uh, 
you wonder with a guy like Triple H involved, you know, is Triple H the guy that's that's spearheading uh, this direction into a new factions? Does he have a good handle on how to create a good faction? Be interesting to know exactly who's behind kind of bringing this uh, back to the forefront, uh, at least in the WWE. But uh, Dave, what was your one of your favorite factions growing up? Um, I, I mean, I liked the NWO, the original you know, concept when they added too many guys to it. I wasn't really, you know, too keen on it. Like big Bubba, the big boss man, or when they added, you know, Scott Norton, actually, I kind of like Norton, but they, I, I thought like it should have been more of an exclusive group. Um, I liked the original. I liked the horse. My favorite version of the horseman was Arn Flair, Tully and Barry Windham. I thought they were just the best all around as far as talent go. But one group that really, I liked a lot that I thought they could have done a lot more with. And, but what made them so different from everybody else was the New Heart Foundation, when you had Brett Owen, Davey Boy, Jim Neambel, and Brian Pillman. And what made them so different and what was also a part of the storyline was they were loved and they were hated, but in, like, different countries. And, you know, in Canada they were loved, but in, in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, they were the most hated, or San Antonio, Texas. And I just thought that was so cool about them that they can go different places and get different kinds of reactions, but still serve the same purpose as a group about, like, in, in, in some ways they were, you know, almost like a, a – they were the shield before they were the shield because there were there were a lot of injustices with American wrestlers and American wrestling fans, and, and Brett was really capitalizing on that. And I just thought that that group, to me, like, they could have done way more than they did with it. Um, and really ran with it for a lot longer than they did. But that, that, and I like the original DX with Sean Hunter and Rick Rude and China. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a good amount of groups that it, that that really caught my eye. But I, I really like the Hart Foundation, and I was more of a Shawn Michaels fan than I was a Brett guy. So go figure. Hey, you know, and it's funny because I think that that's one of those factions that another one that goes uh, pretty underrated. That's one of my favorite eras of, of wrestling is is that like creatively speaking to to have a faction that is so hated in America and so loved outside of America. I just thought it was it was one of those moments that creative kind of hit the nail on the head with that. Um and you had a lot of brilliant performers that were able to to do it. When you watched it back then, you had guys like Stone Cold was a little here out of America. Now, you didn't go full-on heel. You know, I mean, obviously Stone Cold was like a guy that always skated that line, but it was a little bit edgier. Like, they would tweak their characters ever so slightly, depending on the... I thought it was just... It was a time where I think the... All stepped, creative stepped up, and it was just a... It was a really entertaining uh, era to be watching wrestling. And uh, I, I think when people... I, I think it's a really good point, Dave, because when people look at... Uh, factions in the history of wrestling. I don't think they necessarily jump right on uh, that new Hart Foundation, but that, that era was definitely a lot of fun to uh, watch wrestling. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. Uh, we're still waiting right now for Joey Legend to be giving us a buzz. So, you know what? While we're waiting for him, you want to talk Raw, you want to talk uh, Impact, you want to talk Factions and your favorite factions, by all means. We'll run out to the phones for a little bit while waiting for Joey. And we have Tony on the line. Tony, are you there? Hey, Dennis. What's going on? Hello, buddy. 
All right. So yeah, you're talking about all the uh, different factions, man. I'm, I you know, I got I gotta agree with Dave. I got to agree with you that the uh, that Hart Foundation stable from the uh, from back then that that was actually really well done. Um, you know, the five of the, those five guys together, I thought were really good. You know, because like I say, you know, in the states they were the they were the heels, but everywhere you know, like the rest of the world, you know, you know they were the, they were the, they were the, they were the good guys. And uh, I, yeah, I actually thought that they did, they did do a really good job of, uh, you know, the five that uh, Brett Owen and the, the others, you know, those five together. I, I thought that they were a good, uh, a good faction. And uh, you know, of course, on, uh, the Ten Man at that Canadian Stampede was awesome. That was like one of the best pay per views I ever watched. And uh, even the Shield now too, you know, like I said, I, I think they're the easily the, you know, like the best. Um, Booked uh, healed in WWE right now. I think you know they're really, uh, you know, they're. You know, I'm glad that they're still you know, making them look strong because you know, you know, and they haven't. You know, like WWE has, you know, you throw out from under them like they do with a lot of guys they push. But uh, I think you know. So like I said, the Shield is good. Yeah. You know, um, as far as current stable now, and uh, you know, I guess I probably like the the heart, you know, like the um, the you know, like the heart foundation in the mid '90s. Um, even you know, like in the. I, I wasn't really like a fan at the time, but even the ECW, I, I, I like I like the uh, the, the triple threat, you know Shane Bigelow and uh, Chris Candido. I thought they, I, I thought they were a good unit. I don't know what you think about that, but definitely one that doesn't jump to to mind right away, but another good one. What? Is it definitely not one that jumps to mind right away? But that was definitely a good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because even you know, cause even like you know, like you said, you know, like the NWO, and you know, it's like it, it it started out it started out good, and then you had you know, like too many guys, and then then you know, then when they broke it up, it just got you know, because uh, you know, like you know, that could be the problem with the factions too. You know, it's like they could they could really uh, you know they could start out good like Aces and H did, and or the NWO back in the day, and then it's like they just kind of lose their steam. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, but as far as like you know, getting back to uh, AJ Styles, I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, it was very predictable. You know, to, to me, it was it was really predictable that he was not going to be on the Aces and H team. You know, I mean, I was, uh, you know, like a little shocked to to see him actually put on the vest, and you know, actually, you know, when he when he he actually did go after Kurt Angle with the bullhammer. But you know, it's like I I knew that it was going to be, uh, you know, just a way to kind of suck our uh, Aces and H in a bit. Yeah, so uh, even I don't, I don't know to do a faction with AJ, like a AJ Styles or whatever, you know, like the like guys who have like maybe some guys who aren't who haven't been on TV in a while. I don't know who you can get, but maybe you know, like I don't know how good a third, like a third team of guys would be for uh, TNA right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of curious, like you know, right now where they're going to go with the Ace and Age. I mean, at some point they're going to have to, you know, someone. Make some inroads. I mean, anytime you have a strong heel faction, eventually they're going to have to be defeated. Is you know, is he going to champion the cause? Are they going to have him eventually? I mean, now at this point, you know, he he, he hit Kurt Angle with a hammer. So <laughs> you know, to make it believable, they would align them, you know, together to go after Ace and Eight. Uh, it might be difficult to to make that believable. So you know, what happens here? I mean, you would think that AJ's become public enemy number one for Ace and Eights. Uh, but you know where do they go now? I mean, do, do they beat down AJ? Does AJ find himself a a partner? Do, I mean, how does AJ in and of himself, you know, go into this group? So it would make sense for him to 
create some sort of uh, faction, but, uh, you know, who knows where they're going to go with that. But, uh, Tony, thanks for the call. We've got to let you go because we do have Joe E. Legend uh, on hold right now, so I want to get to him. Uh, but thanks so much for the call. Jo- uh, Tony is our expert blogger, the best blog in the business. Once we get the website up and running again, uh, com. Uh, Tony's blogs on Raw, SmackDown, in, and Impact. Thanks a lot for the call today, Tony. Hey, no problem. Uh, talk to you later. And hey. We're going to go out phones now because we do have, you You may know him as Joey Legend. He was also just Joe in the WWF. Uh, we're going to go right to him. Hello? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, buddy? Doing right. Thanks for spending a couple minutes with us. Uh, we have Joe E. Legend on the line, and uh, well, let's get right to it. You know, I want to start off being that you're from Canada. Uh, last night, that raw the Bret Hart. Hello. Are you there, Joe? Hi, you're cutting in and out of me. All right, oh, geez, I don't know what's going on here. You hear me now? Yeah, right. I, you know. right. uh, I was just curious, being that last night was Bret Hart Appreciation Night, uh, yeah. How from Canada, how big an influence did Bret Hart uh, have or not have on uh, your wrestling career or getting into wrestling? Bret had a tremendous impact on pretty much everybody in Canada, I think, um, because he was the first uh, Canadian in a good long time to really get a strong push. Um, also, he was kind of, um, I don't know, it's hard to say internet, darling, but he, he was along those lines where, you know, it was fans who, who appreciated more than just kind of the bodybuilder uh, Hulk Hogan style, that this was a guy who actually could technically get in there and have a great match with anybody. So most people who get involved with wrestling, by and large, from Canada anyway, seem to follow Brett's path of trying to uh, trying to have some technique and trying to have some uh, a skill set. Um, Larger than you know the three four moves that seemed to be the the, the run of the mill when he first broke in. Um, for me, I mean, shoot, I'm a Canadian with long hair. I used to be dark, now it's getting gray. So I'm following in Brett's footsteps every step of the way, it seems. But uh, yeah, Brett had a tremendous influence on me. I, I, him and Kurt Hennig, their their feud alone just had me in awe and reminded me every time I kind of got down on whether or not I was going to bother pursuing this job. Watching their matches made me want to. Now, can you give us like a little bit, because I think it's it's tough for us in America to really conceptualize. I mean, I was a big Bret Hart guy, uh, but I don't think he definitely Hello? What's he? Hello? Jeez. Are you there now? There we are. Hi. Sorry about that. What's going on? Um, I don't know. It's fading in <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you got started in the business. Uh, let's see. I uh, used to go to indie wrestling shows with my dad, watching uh, the original Sheik in his uh, his territory. The Toronto used to run from Toronto down into Detroit. Um, I was a big, you know, mark for that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, the uh, the WWF run came through with Hulk Hogan, and I, you know, I was a big Rocky Three fan. So Thunderlips was holy crap. Who the hell is this guy? And uh, it just kind of, you know, as the industry blew open, I was just, the, you know, at the right age to really appreciate it and, you know, consider pursuing it. 
Um, I, you know, went ahead. I was already in martial arts. I had four black belts in karate and kung fu, and I was just, you know, uh, as I've told other people, I was just, you know, I'm thrilled that I'm able to kick anybody else's butt in the unemployment line, but wasn't really making me many nickels. So uh, I'm terrified of four walls. I didn't just want to sit in an office or stare at a machine in a factory all day. I wanted to go out and see the world and, you know, perform and have fun and, you know, all, all of the above. So uh, that that kind of was my inspiration to get involved in wrestling is just to, to get out and see the world. And now, you know, 44 countries later, from Toronto, now living in Hanover, Germany, I think I've, uh, I've accomplished that. <laughs> and for Joe Early, guys, early in your Early in your career, Joe, you, uh, you you trained with uh, Edge and Christian. Can you tell me your experiences working with them as well as Rhino and uh, and Don Callis? And uh, did you see any kind of potential in Edge and Christian to make it on the mainstream and in the big time and as big as they've both gotten to this day? At the time when they broke in, I mean, they probably hate me for saying it, but uh, I wasn't sure that they would get as big as they would, or as they did, I should say. Um, I, I, you know, they, I always thought they were tremendously gifted, especially Christian. Christian just picked up everything so quick. I mean, everything that would take, you know, like, you know, me or Edge or any of those guys, you know, three times to do, Christian could do it in two. He was just naturally gifted for it. Um, you know, Don Cowles was just a, a great talker. You know, all you have to do is give Don a mic and let him run. I think he's one of the best talkers in the history of the business. Um, Rhino was just a force. I mean, so many of the guys on the indie scenes, because of the ECW kind of influence, a lot of guys uh, tended to spend, you know, a few bucks on a black T-shirt and a ripped pair of jeans than a gym membership. So you had a lot of guys just not really looking the part, but Rhino always did. Rhino was always a big, strong guy. Uh, You know, so all those guys I, I thought had potential to go places. I just was, you know, uh, it's when Edge really got on his role and got his gimmick with Vince that you really got to see that, that Vince really wanted to do something with him. I always knew Edge and Christian, just as close as they were, would always be an excellent tag team. I knew that those guys would hit it off as a team. And, I mean, the, the E and C or whatever they they shortened it to, uh, they held the tag belts, like, I don't know, eight, nine times, something like that. Um, they had a hell of a run. And I, I think, you know, their programs with the Dudleys and, and the Hardys made people care about tag team wrestling again. For a long time, it was just kind of mishmashes and teams thrown together. So to be able to reinvent their kind of corner of the industry uh, at the time they did was pretty impressive. And then to to go on and, you know, in singles matches, all of a sudden, you know, Edge is, you know, I think the most held the belt more times than just about anybody, or held more belts than anybody, I guess, in the in the company. And then Christian went on to hold it a couple of times. Um, you know, Rhino's former ECW champion, former NWA champion. So everybody saw potential in these guys to really push them hard and uh, to give them the top spots because they felt they were marketable guys. I'd like to say that I saw, you know, everything in them early. I, I saw potential in them, but I didn't see how much potential. So um, I'm proud as hell of all of them. I'm still friends with all of them, still chat with all of them, and, uh, you know, I'm happy for them. Another question. You mentioned, uh, you know, Edge and Christian and the WWF as a tag team. At one point, you were in the WWF um, with the the Just Joe character. Um, yeah. Can you can you give us? You don't sound really too thrilled after I just mentioned that. <laughs> you, no, can, not you at all. A, can you give us a? Uh, it, was there any kind of plans with the character if it was going to go any further than it did, or was it just something that they they threw on you at the time? Then they said maybe oh, we'll figure something out with you later. Well, the the gist of it was I was flown down to Connecticut after they signed me. It took them, I think, nine months to get me my work permit. 
So in that time, you know, I just, you know, at home, training, shit like that, I uh, eventually got flown in to meet with Vince. They did a uh, phone interview. Kevin Kelly did a phone interview with me because the whole idea is, you know, every given cue with the volume turned up. So they just wanted to get to know me, and then, you know, by the time I showed up, Vince would be able to brainstorm and give me something great. When I got there, Vince just said, what do you want to do? And I had the idea of a, a cult leader thing. There was something to do with the David Koresh thing at the time in the news. I don't know whether it was an anniversary or something, but I thought, that cults just creeped me out. I thought, this is ideal. You know, I've already got the you know the long hair and everything. I could totally do the Koresh thing with my, you know, my eyes shut. And Vince was against. He said, oh, we don't really do you know the religious type stuff. And I'm thinking, really, Ministry of Darkness, Brother Love, later on Reverend Devon. He eventually wrestled God. But apparently he didn't want to do religious stuff at the time. Okay. So I pitched um, another gimmick to him where I said I wanted to cut my hair short and, you know, suit and tie, tell uh, tell America they had to get a haircut and a real job and to straighten up and fly right. And I wanted to have a group called Moral Majority. And he said, no, no, I don't see a lot of money in that. And then he had Stevie Richards cut his hair and did the right to censor. So a lot of that stuff is somewhat, you know, embitters me a little bit. But I kept kind of pushing for this cult thing, and he said, well, you know, I just don't see the religious thing. And I said, well, I'm not saying I'm God. I'm just the messenger. And he got all excited. Ooh, the messenger. I like that. And um, next thing you know, they, they, you know, started bringing me into TVs, and they came up with this uh, this stooge thing. And I think the initial thing was that I was going to be in some way affiliated with the Acolytes because, you know, they were hired. Their gimmick was they were hired thugs, and so my thing would be that I would, you know, give them the insider scoops on stuff and I, I was pushing it like I had the insider knowledge, like um, Crash Holly come up and, oh, God, i got to wrestle Taz today. Taz is going to kill me. And then I'm like, well, you know, i got information. I can help you out. And then he pays me off. I'm like, yeah, well, Taz tore his bicep. If you go after his arm, you should do okay. And then, of course, Crash Holly magically wins the match. And next thing you know, people are coming to me for insider knowledge. Uh, and then eventually I'd use that to my own gains. But it never got that far. They had a writer named Jamie there who was uh, an idiot. And uh, just you couldn't get an idea through to him. The guy just wouldn't hear language. And the reason I think he had his job as long as he did is that they'd throw him with, like, the China Eddie Guerrero thing. And he'd just stand there and let them do their own thing. And China and Eddie, of course, loved the fact they got to do their own thing, so they were more than happy to give him the credit for it because nobody kind of stood in the way of doing whatever they wanted. They were the ones with the great ideas. They were the ones performing the great ideas. Just this guy took the credit. And since I was ground floor, it was up to him to, you know, to baby step me into the into a better angle. And any time I suggested anything, no, 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 I, I got it handled, I got it handled. And he never did. So I think th- there might have been potential for it. And, I mean, I talked to Shane about it. I talked to Hunter about it. I talked to everybody just saying, look, like, you guys are booking me out of a job. I'm going to be unemployed in six months because there's no upside to this gimmick. You guys are burying me. And you can only bury somebody so far before the crowd simply doesn't buy into them anymore, and they're not going to make you money. I said, you're not making any money off me right now, and I'd like to make you money. I'd like to make me money. And everybody said, oh, no, we like your work. We like everything you're doing. We just got to find the right thing for you. And then they bought WCW, and they had a ton of extra guys with you know plenty of TV time behind them and you know interesting storylines, the Booker T rock thing and, uh, you know, uh, Scott Steiner was a top guy that they were trying to get in at the time, and Goldberg and all this. So there was no need to keep me on retainer or keep me employed when there was no risk of me jumping anywhere else. 
Um, and they had, you know, months and months and months of TV right at their fingertips. So I understand why I was released when I was, not to mention I was Canadian. So they're also paying for a work permit for me and, you know, extra taxes and everything. So I can see why they let me go, but I think I, I think they might have had some ideas on, on the ground floor, but this Jamie guy just, just murdered it. That's a shame. Do you, do you watch? Do I? I'm sorry? Do you watch the current product? Not a whole lot. Um, yeah, I'll read about it. I read about it. I like to see what you know what the companies are doing with with uh, with pals of mine and stuff like that. And uh, I kind of you know have to half pay attention because I'm still doing it. And you know I got to kind of see what people are buying and what the crowd is into, and then you know try to give it to them. I don't like to tell the crowd what to like. I like to give them what they want. And you know it's kind of kept me going. You know I believe that philosophy firmly. That you know the crowd comes first. So I, I, I've been paying bits and bobs of attention, but then, you know, I see stuff like the, the, the Axel Curtis, Curtis Axel thing, and it just, you know, I, I watch them not using guys to their fullest potential, and it drives me mental. So every time I'm kind of tempted to kind of sit down and watch an episode, something like that happens, and I just sit there and grit my teeth and go, oh, I wonder what else is on. This is Anybody specifically, like, you misuse it? I'm sorry? Anyone specifically that you think they're misusing? Well, I, the the entrance, uh, the way they brought in uh, Kurt Hennig's boy, I, I just don't see it. Um, I, I understand the idea that you know they said Hunter is a figurehead of the company, but in turn, he's you know I'm not saying he's passed it or anything like that, but he, it's you know he's in a position now where he's not working all the time, and if you want a guy who's going to work once or twice you know a year. And bury the current product. You've got Undertaker. So why do you got to, you know, Triple H has got to lead by example. For him to come in and, you know, his in the promo I read, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, shut up, kid. The, the the adults are talking. So that that you know right away doesn't give the kid any credit. If the kid was going to go over later with a pinfall, that'd be great because wow, it really came back to bite Hunter in the ass. Like this new generation is to be taken seriously. And instead, you know, he just kicked the tar out of the kid later, and then nobody could be Triple H but Triple H. So I thought that was kind of crap, you know, just crappy. I thought, you know, this was a chance to to holy crap this guy. And, like, the, the business model on this kid is Mr. Perfect. So push the Mr. Perfect thing. Have him come in and beat Triple H in his debut. Holy moly, who is this kid? And then just have him go on a run, an undefeated streak for a long time. Don't throw him in against John Cena the very next week and then have him win on a counter because John Cena walks away to look for Ryback. Don't make him a punk. Like, and I don't mean CM Punk. I mean an actual punk, like, loser. It, having him walk around backstage and, you know, Bret Hart getting in his face stuff. I mean, Bret's the guy who could, you know, half make him in a promo. Just saying, look, you know, I, I worked your dad. Your dad was tremendous. And, you know, you got to get rid of Heyman because your dad, you know, you know, live up to your dad's example. Your dad was phenomenal. And you'll have him say, you know, well, I'm going to do even better than my dad. And have just follow the Mr. Perfect business model. I don't understand for the life of me why they wouldn't do that. I, I find that ridiculous. I don't understand with the shield. Um, you know, they're pushing them now, which is fine. But they're here to save us. And I'm not sure from what. Because Chris Jericho came in and he was here to save us for a while. That was a big thing on this Titantron wall. It said, you know, here to save us. And then uh, CM Punk was going to be the voice of the voiceless, and he was here to save us. And it seems to me that they're, they keep coming up and saying things like, you know, hey, the product's crappy, but somebody's here to save it. And 
specifically, it always seems to be a heel to save it, as opposed to having the heels get a good run on top and saying it's the best it's ever been, and then having the baby faces say, no, it's not the best, we're the best, and then take charge and, and take over the business and, and reclaim the top spots. But guys like, you know, unbelievable talent like Brian Daniels and, you know, having Brian Danielson in a program with the Shield is a good idea. Now let's run with it and, you know, make everybody look credible. Wow, it's it's, it's really interesting stuff. I'm curious, along those lines, you train a lot of uh, I'm sorry, this, this call's breaking up again. I'm sorry, my friend. Hello? Hello? Hello, are you there? There we are. Hi. Hello? Shit. Holy cow. Are you there? Hi. <laughs> Hello? Hello, are you there? There we are. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Hey. Can you hear me? Speak again. Are you there? There we are, yes. All right, I'm curious. Uh, how? What's your philosophy? How do you train up-and-coming wrestlers? Um, fundamentals. Absolutely, there's, there's no substitute for fundamentals. And um, I, my biggest thing is that is the power of the word why. If I can't explain to you why you do something the way you do it, I shouldn't be teaching it to you. And I've seen more than enough trainers get uh, you know groups of trainees in there and say, do this this way because I do it this way. And they're like, well, why is it done that way? They just shut up. I'm the veteran. You're a freaking green boy, da 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 And in turn, the guys only learn how to mimic the guys who train them instead of learning why to do certain things to develop their own characters and their own styles, which are ultimately, you know, you, you don't need another Macho Man. There was only one. You don't need another Hulk. There was only one. You don't need another Rock. There was only one. What you need is new and different and, and interesting characters. And the only way to do that is to have people understand the fundamentals and the principles of the psychology of it um, so that they can build their own character uh, up and be unique and different. That uh, That is the, the primary thing is, is to get your fundamentals and to understand the psychology of it. Uh, that's, you know, I'm curious, like, along those lines, how um you know, do you find that, like, the guys you train get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, see, you know, it's like, any, like some people pick it up immediately. Some people get it gradually. Some people don't get it for a long time, and all of a sudden it's an epiphany. Um, you know, everybody learns different. Like, Christian was a guy who just picked up everything immediately. Christian was the guy who got it. He was just born to do this job. Um, Rhino picks it up gradually. Like, you know, like, a leads to B, leads to C, leads to D, and he totally falls that train of thought, and it works perfectly for him. So, you know, everybody, you know, learns at their own pace and learns at their own style. It's just a matter of, you know, whoever's teaching them to be patient enough to figure out how they learn and uh, and serve it to them in the best way that they can absorb it. It's awesome. You know, I mean, it's amazing, like, looking at your career. You've had such an amazing career, and you're wrestled all over the world in a ton of different companies, and now uh, you're branching out. Of still wrestling, but 
books, TV series, movies? Why don't you tell us uh, uh, all the projects you're involved in at this time? Uh, well, actually, as of today, I've signed off on writing my autobiography, and um, I've been told that they want to kickstart it into you know into stores fairly soon. So I'm possibly in in a month or a month and a half like that. So I gotta get my finger out and get to work on that. I've only done like four chapters. Um, I'm doing that. I'm also uh, signed on to do a bunch of different book series with uh, my writing partner, a, a girl from Scotland named Crystal McCarrington. Uh, we're doing um, a whole series of books based around a TV show we're, we're selling called uh, Layla's World. So there's Layla's World, there's Marie's World, there's Charlie's Journal. I play Charlie, so the book would be a first-person account from my character, which is kind of a backstage account of uh, the craziness of a, a wrestling promotion, kind of like, um, for lack of a better expression, uh, SmackDown 90210. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're doing that. Um, I'm doing a bunch of movies this year. I'm still in negotiations with a film, um, a horror drama out of Italy called The Second Chance. Um, I'm doing a film called Pandemonium, which is, if you ever saw Jumanji, it's kind of like that, like kind of a fantasy family film. I play a pirate. My kids will love it. Um, I'm in uh, two different vampire films, one called Salvatus, one called Vampire Soul, which I'll be filming out near Seattle. I can't remember the name of the town, but it's about an hour out of Seattle, so I'm told. Um, the, uh, the TV series, obviously, Layla's World. There's a TV series. We're also shopping a reality series that would follow us around behind Layla's World, as well as my movie projects and book projects and all this nonsense. Uh, called Paper Champions. All these things have uh, pages on Facebook if you look them up. Um, I've just joined Twitter. I've been dragged kicking and screaming into the 21st century, and you know, the Joey Legend is my handle there. There is a Joey Legend on there, but it's not me because I tried to sign up as Joey Legend. It wouldn't let me. So if you're if you're in contact with Joey Legend, you're not in contact with me. Um, I'm also doing. Uh, I'm supposed to be doing a slasher film. Because uh, according to this director, it was the most backhanded compliment I ever got. He looked at uh, my pictures online or whatever and said, you know, I saw you. I thought you'd be perfect for my film. I said, what do you need? He goes, well, we're looking for the next kind of slasher like Jason Voorhees or Mike Myers. And I was like, well, that's, that's flattering that you think you looked at my picture and thought, of, you know, hey, this guy looks like a serial killer. But, hey, <laughs> let me make a horror movie. Why not? It'd be fun. And it's supposed to be shot near Toronto, which is great, because then I'd be home to visit my family and such. So uh, I got that. I'm doing a film in England called Broken Nation, which is uh, kind of post-apocalyptic after the government's fall. I play a, a soldier, like one of the main characters in that film. Oh, golly. And then just uh, got a book coming out in 2015, a book series called Dragon, which is uh, kind of a martial arts meets Harry Potter thing. And uh, we've already had some interest in that becoming a film, as well as another book series called uh, Norse Gods and Immortals, which uh, we've been approached about possibly somebody else wants to make a film of that. So hopefully all this is going to come together and I'll be able to kick my feet up and fall, get a night's sleep after it's all over. That's all I'm thinking is as you're relaying all these projects. Like when, when do you sleep? <laughs> Well, I got twin five-year-olds, so I'm kind of used to not sleeping very much. Um, it, it's all key in being lazy. <laughs> I find I find my moments. I'll pass out on an airplane somewhere. I had a couple of good naps on the way home from Sweden this past week. 
Very good. And if you want want to find out all your projects, I mean, you relate a lot, and you, you're definitely keeping busy. Uh, also, uh, you're on Facebook as well, correct? Yeah, Facebook. There's a couple. There's like three or four fan pages, and there's one Joey Legend for my author stuff, and there's another Joey Legend uh, fan one. There's one in French. There's one in Turkish. A uh, bunch of different countries. The fans have set them up. And if they go to my real name, Joe E. Hitchin, that's uh, that's where I that's where I usually click on and talk to people. And you know, I, I try to be nice. And then of course the Twitter is the Joey Legend. Um, working possibly on a website uh, to culminate everything together, but trying to get all these projects together and get everybody to agree to have their stuff part and parcel on the same website with other people it takes a little bit of uh, cooperation. I got to work some, with some people. Yeah, I get that. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. A lot of interesting stuff, and uh, good luck with all the projects, and we'd love to get you on again uh, in the future. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It's really kind of you to have me on. You're, uh, you're an excellent host. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'd love to have you back. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, sir. Take it easy. And there you have it, Joey Legend on board. Uh, apologies, you know, it's, it's funny. For whatever reason, Dave, are you there? I am still here. Okay. I don't know what it is, but I, I just, I, for whatever reason, came up with the brainstorm of, what if I put Dave on hold and let's see, and all of a sudden it was coming in clearer. So I got to see what's going on with, uh, I don't know if it's the Skype or the, the blog talk, uh, but I'll check that out. But uh, lots technology of technology taking on me again. You know what? And you pre-show it's the summertime rolls around, and all of a sudden the technology gods just say, "You know what? Don't get cocky. Don't get yeah. cocky. We can still." <laughs> it's amazing, but that was cool. I mean, Joey Legend you know, might not be a household name in in the business, but a guy who has definitely done it all in the business has wrestled all around the world. Lots of interesting. Uh, takes on on pro wrestling today not happy about uh how they're booking curtis axel uh and also you know it was an interesting point and I, I never thought of this but that whole idea of the shield is going to save us or they're they're correcting the injustice and it's like what exactly is this what are they saving us from and i you know i think we still like the shield but it was an interesting point when he relayed uh the the different groups, and I'm always fascinated, like someone in the business and who knows a lot more than I do, uh, their take on certain things. So, uh, you know, in the business, he watches stuff, uh, you know, interesting to hear his take on, you know, Christian was a guy who, like, picked stuff up right away. Um, you know, he was just gifted. So uh, lots of interesting stuff. like to get him on again. But uh, cool stuff from Joey, Dave. Yeah, I, I enjoy the stories a lot, you know, from when we talk to these guys, you know, the behind-the-scenes stories. And I really enjoyed the story he told us about his process of when he first started with the WWF at the time and the the, the character process. And it was somewhat of a an uphill, uphill battle for him to, to, to get, you know, Vince and the creative team, um, you know, on his side with, with the character that they were going to stick with. Um, you know, stuff like that that just fascinates me that, 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 that I I like to uh, engage in conversation with when when we interview guys. It was pretty cool. Just, I mean, I'm just amazed at all the stuff that he does. You know, I mean, wrestlers. You know, you're your own brand. You got to, you're your own self promoter. You got to go out there and you know, 
for him to remember all the things he's involved in, you know, I can't remember, you know, if I had something to eat, what I had to eat, you know, three, four days ago, let alone what he's doing. You know, he's got movies and books and television shows. I mean, you know, more power to him, you know, and keep him busy and really putting himself out there. And, uh, you know, he's he, definition of, uh, you know, hard work um, right there with all those projects that he's involved in. Yeah, tremendous stuff. I mean, it, it was amazing. Like, he, he sent me an email with, with all the subs, like, wow, this guy, you know, he really knows how to stay busy. But you're right, you know, you got to go after it and you got to work. And, and this guy's definitely, uh, you know, working at it and he's got the projects out there. And, uh, you know, he's a guy, like, when you hear him talk about the business, uh, down the road a piece, you'd almost like to see him somewhere in creative and in, in one of the, the TV companies, uh, somewhere really like really helping the young guys uh make it i i found it very interesting when he uh when he was talking about the why and uh you know it's something that i i love when we talk to these these legends and these veterans who are who trained and their philosophy and training and the fact like i you know he he simplified it but it, it the why why are you doing what you're doing why would your character do that why is your character using that move uh, I, I do think there are some wrestlers that uh, maybe aren't concentrating so much on the why, and they're just doing certain moves for the sake of doing them. And I, I thought that was really interesting. Uh, his take on training guys. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. Mixed bag today. We we had factions: The Shield, Monday Night Raw, TNA, Ace and Eight, Joey Legend. Uh, all these things going on, whatever you want to talk about, call us in, call us right now, and we'll talk wrestling. But right now, we got the birthday boy. Mr. Trivia is on the line. Happy birthday, man. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good, Ken. Thank you very much. How's everything going? It's going all right. How's your birthday going? Uh, not too bad. Pretty uneventful, but, you know, not too bad. You know, when you get to be my age, you really don't celebrate them too much anymore, so. Hey, you but, know what? Um, it's when people say that, like, oh, God, I'm getting older, I always say, you know, it, it's better than the alternative. Yeah, really, because, you know, I got aches and pains in places I never knew I had places. <laughs> but uh, but last night, guys, Monday Night Raw, I gave it a solid B+. I thought it was a really good show. Um, the Rysak, Cena... Um, three three stages of hell match or whatever they're going to call it. I think that's uh, that's going to be a really really interesting type match. And uh, Mr. Rosenblues, I guess uh, CM Punk is coming back a little sooner than expected. Would you say? Uh, well, there really wasn't much of a timetable as far as uh, you know, as far as what I've read. Um, I mean, I kind of had a feeling there was a possibility he would come back because payback is going to be in Chicago, his hometown. But there, there really was no set timetable on when he was set to return. Um, so, I mean, it's not. I'm not surprised by it. Um, pay-per-views in Chicago, hometown boy. Um, not saying that Chicago wouldn't, you know, sell out the the venue if he wasn't there. But it helps that he's going to be there, that he's advertised to be there. So. Um, I think it's a I think it's a good move. If he's healthy and ready and wants to come back, let him you know, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I was just uh I was just curious cuz it's uh there was a thing where originally I had thought that he was going to be back around around SummerSlam. 
And then when well, the thing with Jer- when the thing with Jericho came up last night, it was like, wow. So he's, I guess he's coming back early then. Well, there, like I said, there there have been rumors from different times he was going to come back. SummerSlam was talked about. There they, they even gone as far as of last week. They'd even gone as far as back to Survivor Series in November. Um, well, I didn't think they were going to push it that far. Um, there really, like I said, there was no set timetable. There had been talked about SummerSlam. There had been talked about Payback. There had been talked about sometime in the summertime he would be back. So, um, you know, everything was just rumors and speculation. Like I've always said, you know, the, when I report stuff, it's all rumors and speculation. I'll report it as fact. So, uh, <laughs> yep. uh, it doesn't surprise me one bit. But, um, yeah. you know, it's intriguing that he is coming back because I think it's going to lead to um, – some dissension with Paul Heyman just by the fact that Paul Heyman accepted a challenge on his behalf. Um, and I think eventually it's going to, I think eventually it will lead to a big match at SummerSlam with him and uh, Brock Lesnar. I was just about to say to you, do you think that's going to possibly lead up to him uh, being a fan favorite, challenging yeah. either uh, Brock Lesnar or Curtis Axel? So you answered my question, which was good. You got that telepathy going there with that ESPN, they call it, or something like that. I but, guess, uh, yeah. I don't know the term for it, but, that's, yeah. That's why he's man. But uh, other than that, guys, you know, the thing with AJ Styles, too, kind of, you know, I really didn't really have too much of a, a take on that, you know, whether he joined Aces and Aces or whether he didn't. It really, you know, I wasn't sitting on the edge of my seat saying, oh, my God, what's he going to do? You know, what's he going to do? But uh, I think it was pretty good that that happened. And eventually I still think, Eventually, somewhere down the line, Aces and Aces is going to uh, slowly fade off into the sunset one by one. But uh, as far as the faction goes that you talked about earlier, Ken, um, the question I wanted to ask you was, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, – it, does it have to be a tag team? I mean, can it be just a tag team or – I don't know. I mean, I never really considered, like, tag teams as factions. I, I just kind of – they're tag teams. That's uh, always been yeah, kind of take on them. More than two. Yeah. Yeah, because I've always, uh, I've always liked the uh, original Horsemen. But as far as the tag teams go, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think there was a tag team better than the Road Warriors. But uh, that's just my opinion. Well, guys, thanks for taking my call, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again on Tuesday night. And uh, thank you very much for the birthday wishes, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. You have a great rest of your birthday. Thank you. And Mr. Trivia, there you go. Like, you know, birthday boy, giving us some a little bit of everything there. If you want to call us, give us a little bit of everything, 347-838-9815. Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, like last night, Dave, uh, interesting, and we talked uh, a bit to Joey Legend about Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart Appreciation Night, you know, and it's it was interesting because, Again, we've talked at length about the three-hour Raw, and uh, I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a solid show. It wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't change the world in any way, shape, or form, but I thought, you know, they gave us a solid, entertaining uh, three hours. But one of the things that, you know, I have a problem with, and and that that goes back to the three hours, uh, at the end of the the show, I really, I I was just like, I'm, I'm done. I, I I'm done watching wrestling, and so I figured I'd catch up at some point on YouTube or WWE.com and watch the the Bret Hart uh, tribute. 
Um, but I did not watch it last night. And I'm, I'm curious if other people feel that way. If you want to talk about uh, that, three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five. But Dave, you actually you used the app. You went on. You watched uh, Bret Hart Appreciation Night, uh, capping off a solid Monday Night Raw. What was the uh, Bret Hart ceremony like? Well, it was actually pretty cool. Um, you know, they uh, I I have the WWE app, and I normally don't use it much. And uh, you know, they plug the hell out of it on TV. So, you know, last night, I for the first time, I used the app, like, you know, more often than I did um, by watching some of the, the, the tag team title match during the commercial break. Um, you know, they actually had commentary and, you know, solid in-ring action. Because if you go to a television taping, you see a lot of, like, stalling and rest holds, you know, during a commercial break. And then when the cameras cut back, all of a sudden the action um, goes. But as far as the ceremony goes, um, it was pretty. it was pretty fun. I mean... They're in Calgary. Calgary doesn't get, you know, I mean, Canada doesn't get a lot of, you know, WWE. They only get it certain times of the year um, as opposed to, you know, the United States where they're pretty much virtually all over the United States. Um, you know, it was a pretty hot crowd. And, of course, Brett being from Calgary, um, everyone was pretty excited for it. Jerry Lawler hosted it. Um, the mayor of Calgary gave Bret Hart a plaque. Um, Brett spoke for a little bit. Then Lawler um, brought out um, Pat Patterson. Uh, who was a fellow Canadian, and he had some kind words to say about Brett. Um, and then they brought out uh, Chris Jericho, and Jericho actually told a pretty interesting story. Um, you know, he was trained in the in the Hart Dungeon, or in a, in a Stu Hart camp, I should say. He wasn't actually in the dungeon, but he recalled the story about back in 95. Um, they had a, um, a Stu Hart birthday show, like in Calgary, and Brett was WWF champion at the time, and he... Uh, he made an appearance on the show. Vince allowed him to make an appearance, and Brett was in the locker room, and they were doing a storyline where he wrestled uh, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, in, like, December of 95. They had a pay-per-view match, and the storyline going into it was that Brett had never beaten Davey Boy, like, never pinned him one-on-one. -on -one. So Brett went to the guys in the locker room and said, can you come up, can you come up, could come up with a good quick finish for this storyline and Jericho kind of spoke up and Jericho wasn't booked on the show Jericho had been working in Japan and Mexico and he just kind of went and brought his gear in case they needed an extra body and Jericho kind of showed him uh, what wrestlers in the, you know, and fans in the United States um, have that, uh, that Oklahoma roll where you wrap the guy's arm around your leg and then you roll him up kind of thing um, and Brett liked it and then two days later Jericho watched the pay-per-view and Brett used the finish and uh, Jericho was, like, really happy about that and, like, honored that, like, Brett would take, you know, a young guy's idea and advice and use it on television. And, uh, you know, he had some nice things to say about Brett. Sean came out. Sean Michaels came out. Got a pretty big pop. Um, he had a couple of nice things to say about Brett. And he just talked about how, you know, uh, Superman needed a Lex Luthor and Sean Michaels was Bret Hart's Lex Luthor. And, uh you know, he thanked them for everything he helped out with his career. Then they brought Vince out. Vince did the same thing. He, you know, it was, a, it was a big old cry fest, a love fest in the ring. Brett's kids were in attendance. Uh, uh, Natalia Neidhart and Tyson Kidd came out. And they, you know, and then the entire roster lit by John Cena stood on the ramp and they clapped. And uh, I spotted Lance Storm, who was in attendance, um, standing on the ramp, I think near John Cena, um, you know, uh, congratulating Brett. And it went about, like, I'd say probably about 10 or 15 minutes. And, 
from what I understand, throughout the course of the night on the app and for the live crowd, they had um, videos for Bret Hart, um, you know, memorable moments that he was involved in in, in his career in the WWF, WWE. Um, so, I mean, it was fun to watch. It was pretty cool. The Calgary crowd was really fired up. Um, one, because it was, you know, Bret Hart appreciation night, and two, because they don't get a whole lot of WWE, so they appreciate the product more. Or as opposed to, you know, fans in the United States, they look at it as they see the same old crap every week. Calgary gets it, you know, once every couple of years. So uh, they were pretty fired up about it and uh, made for a good presentation for uh, television, or should I say the app. Yeah, the app. You know what? It's funny with the app. You know, maybe it's time for the WWE, and I get it, and I know they're trying to sell it, but maybe like it's stuff like that. Let the app sell itself. Maybe you don't need to... Jam it down our throat every chance you get. It almost makes you want to not go to the app because they keep mentioning it. I mean, that's something that you could have mentioned it like twice during the broadcast and people would go to see to watch that on the app. Uh, they're really like jamming that app down our throats. And, you know, granted, I have the app and I, I check the app. And it's funny because they do this thing on the app and they're like, watch, watch what just happened or watch what you're missing. And then on Monday Night Raw, they'll say, well, this was just on the app. And it brought, like, last night, I want, you know, as much as it was an entertaining Raw, I wound up watching Hornswoggle get a cake in the face twice. <laughs> because I actually thought to myself, you know what, let me check. I'm going to go and, and watch the, the live video during commercial. And lo and behold, that's what I got. So I got 3MB crashing Natalia's birthday party and Hornswoggle getting hit in the face with a cake. And I got to watch it twice. Thank you, WWE app. But, anyway, you know, I just think it's like they're cramming it a little bit down our throats and, you know, having like some 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 of this good stuff they're having on the app. Just just let the app sell itself. Wrestling fans are going to be into it. 347-838-9815 is the number to call. We're going to go back out of the phones. We got Mike on the line. Mike, are you there? Hey, guys. What's going on? Not much. How you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm okay. You know, um, if I could be serious for a moment. <laughs> I love that. Um yeah, you know what I wanted to talk about? Factions. The one faction that surpri surprised me was in 1994, the Three Faces of Fear, with Kevin Sullivan and uh, Avalanche as uh, Earthquake and The Butcher, when uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake, as Tony Schiavone said, he butchered a friendship. Did you guys like the Three Faces of Fear? Well, wow, good, good. Uh, trying to remember... <laughs> I mean, they were okay. I mean, they weren't, you know, I didn't see it really lasting too long. I didn't see it as a threat to, you know, Hulk Hogan and uh, WCW. Kevin Sullivan's work was great, but, you know, I couldn't, you know, Avalanche was always earthquake to me. And, you know, Brutus Beefcake, God bless him, he's had more character changes, you know, than, than anyone I can remember. And, you know, and, so did, and so did John Tenta, who was Earthquake, Avalanche, The Shark, John, Big John Tenta. Oh, God. Okay, well, but, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't really – didn't set the world on fire for me. And then when they translated that into the Dungeon of Doom, it only made it worse, so. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a lot of – right, it was a lot of, it was a lot of different guys. Just like when they made NWO A, B, C, I mean, come, come, on, come on now. Do we really need to see uh, Hulk Hogan's nephew come out with Vince every week? I mean, that was a little silly. Yeah, but, uh, I love the NWO. Did they put Ryback in the, in the Aces of Eight? 
Oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, come on, Ryback looks Ryback looks so silly wearing that motorcycle gear. All of a sudden, now he's uh, he's transformed himself into a motorcycle really gang guy. I guess you know heels heels wear leather jackets. Uh, yeah. Good yeah. guys wear white. Yes. No, good guys wear jeans and get food. Uh, good good guys wear jeans and they and they like fruity pebbles, I guess. Um, the other thing, the other thing is funny about you mentioned about the Wyatt. Um, one of the guy, one of the guys that's in the Wyatt, um, who I know really well, um, who was Brody Lee. Brody Lee and Necro Butcher were tag team partners in um, in JAP and JAP Jersey All Pro. And I always said that Brody Lee was going to go far, and I hope he does. Uh, just just like I hope uh, Mike Rotunda's son does good in this. I'm 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 hoping to see him break out. I don't think he'll ever be on his own, but um, I'm surprised WWE didn't pair him up with his brother and put him uh, and his brother out as tag team partners. What do you, you know, think about that? They will down the road. Hello. Hello. Yeah. What okay. did you guys think about that? Oh, um, you know, I, I again, I, you know, I spoke a little bit earlier. I. I got to call uh, one of Brody Lee's matches uh, for our, our TV show when he wrestled for uh, NWA Rochester. Um, you know, I agree with you. I think he's a tremendous talent, a uh, talent that uh, could go very far for a guy his size. I just think he's got a tremendous skill set. And, uh, you know, I, I like I liked the promos I'm hearing. I think there's a lot of uh, potential. And, and who knows for uh, – Husky or Wyatt or, you know, Rotundo, uh, you know, maybe at some point we will see him teaming with his brother. But right now, you know, this well, is a... Him and his brother, Bo, were very good in FC in uh, in Florida Championship Wrestling. So that would have uh, that would have definitely been good um, good for me to see. The other thing I like last night when I was watching Monday Night Raw, I got to see the um, Alberto Del Rio... Versus Langston, and it looks like Big E Langston might turn face soon. What do you think about that? I agree with you. You know, and I was I was surprised at that, and uh, them perhaps going in that direction uh, that quickly. But uh, yeah, it definitely had the looks of. Now, I don't know what they're going to do. I, again, it's it's weird because we just we don't know when exactly Ziggler's going to be back. Uh, is this something they're going to do while Ziggler's out? Is Ziggler going to come back and say, you dropped the ball while I was gone? Uh, it's interesting because I don't know. I like what I'm seeing out of Langston. I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I, I don't know about his, his skill set on the mic, and I don't know if he's quite ready to break out on his own. As much as I'm very optimistic about the upside of Biggie. Um, I, I don't know if he's quite ready. I kind of liked his role as as Ziggler's muscle while he develops as a a young wrestler. Um, but yeah, it definitely looks like they're they're moving in that direction. What do you think, Dave? Um, well, from what I read this morning, um, or what I read last week, there was talk of doing a Biggie Langston Mark Henry kind of strongman contest kind of gimmick um, for SummerSlam with Mark Henry being the baby face, and it turned out that um, apparently Mark Henry's got some heat on him with management because he took some time off for an injury that doesn't require surgery, and the company, 
you know, really needs him on television because he's a strong character. So I think this is the, the, the Biggie Langston babyface push is the product of the heat that Mark Henry has with um, the company right now. Um, I, I, I'm surprised, like you, Ken, with them pushing it so quickly um, because of, you know, his lack of, I should say, television experience. That, again, he's been on television in NXT, and he was the NXT heavyweight champion for quite a long time and was pretty popular down in, uh, in NXT. In fact, he was a babyface down in NXT from what I remember watching. Um, but, uh, I mean, we'll see what happens. I have a feeling it's going to kind of be one of those things they're going to test it out, try it, and it's one of those sink or swims, and then they're just kind of, kind of, he'll get lost in the shuffle eventually. And, and as far as Dolph Ziggler goes, from what I'm hearing, he's advertised to be on live events this weekend and will be at television next week on Raw and SmackDown. So that's good news for Dolph Ziggler fans out there. I mean, I, I want to see Dolph Ziggler. Now, Dolph Ziggler is still the champion, is that correct? If you've been watching, then yes, he is still the champion. I've been watching. I just haven't been paying attention. I've been paying attention to other details, like I've been paying attention to Mr. Perfect's son. And uh, I think I think, uh, I think, think this kid's going to have a good career. I don't think it's going to be a perfect career, but I think he's going to have a good career. His sister on the other hand, might have a good career as well. Oh, Amy Henning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of her work. I don't think she's with the company anymore, uh, if I'm if I'm mistaken. Then she's not going to have a good career, but oh, wait. <laughs> she'll always be Mr. Perfect's daughter. I, I, I uh, what do you call it? either that or go to TNA. Um, but that's about it, guys, and I'll talk to you next week, and uh well, hopefully, well, maybe next week uh, we'll see AJ Lee do something else to cost uh, to cost uh, Langston the match because everybody, all the commentators said that she cost him the match. I think it was him. He just miscalculated that move. But I'll speak to you guys next week and have a nice night. Thank you, too. Thanks for giving us a call tonight. Uh, thank you very much. And Mike, you know, again, this is, a, this is kind of a potpourri today, uh, talking about a lot of different stuff. Uh you know, yeah, I mean, getting back to Big E, you know, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's quite ready. Um it'd be interesting if they go in that direction. I mean, if they're going to turn him babyface and there's like the wheels are turning in my head and this, this youth movement is uh, coming to pass and, and, you know, new guys are getting a shot. I mean, do we see somewhere down the line, do we see Ryback eventually taking the WWE title and then we have uh, – two bohemoths, uh, two big, strong guys uh, vying for the WWE title, that being uh, Big E uh, as a face and Ryback still as the heel. I mean, could you see something like that happening down the road at Peace, Dave? Um, I, not, I don't know yet. I mean, it's possible. Um, but the – See the way that the way that they book guys and the way that they portray some guys' characters. I mean, we've talked about it with guys like Wade Barrett and you know Antonio Cesaro. They're like up and down. They don't know what they want to do. And you know, one week they'll look good, the next week they'll look like crap. And it's it's very tough to tell. They're 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 behind Ryback in a prominent role on television. I don't know if they'll be behind Ryback as the champion. Um, I guess time will tell, you know, depending on his performance in the ring, reactions he gets from the audience. I mean, he's getting a strong heel reaction. Um, you know, it, it's funny, too, because, you know, I just started to forget that, 
you know, he's he had that feed me more chant um, when he first started. So um, we'll see. I guess we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, uh, it, it's possible, like I said, but I just don't know if it's uh, going to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, interesting stuff. And we're we're running towards the end of our show. we got about three minutes left. Thank you all for listening in tonight. Thank you all for uh, calling in. Those guys, special thanks, actually, to Joey Legend for giving us a, a few minutes. Really interesting stuff, uh, the interview with him. Remember, this Friday is our special cancer fundraiser. Uh, we tap out cancer. ton of stuff to uh, raffle off. Check out the website for more details. 8 to 12 p.m., uh, 12 a.m. actually, 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Uh, the Pepper Mill South in Congress, New York. We're excited to be a part of that, raise a lot of money for the American Cancer Society, the Relay for Life in Rockland County. So be sure to come on out and check that out. Maybe win yourself some wrestling merchandise. And as we said earlier, what we always do, that's why we took that time slot. Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m., we'll be giving you our uh, Slammiversary pre-game show obviously this thursday on impact we'll get a little more a little more going into slammiversary we're going to see it slammiversary dave what are your thoughts how uh how slammiversary is shaping up at this time um actually you know it's got a pretty solid card uh i'm, I'm really looking forward to aj and kurt um i like the stipulation with sting and uh bully ray with if sting loses he's you know can't uh compete for the tna title anymore i think it's you know, past the time for Sting to be in the, uh, the the world title picture. I think it's time for other guys to get more involved. Um, you know, uh, the, the knockouts always have solid matches, so I'm looking forward to that. The tag team title match I was intrigued with until they revealed Gunner as being James Storm's partner. I thought that was just kind of like a, uh, a, a, you know, one of those cricket moments where, you know, he comes out and everyone's like, what? Like, this is his partner? Like, but I guess it's to really push him and align himself with someone as credible as James Storm. Um, the tag match should be fun um, to watch with all the talents in there. So, I mean, overall, it should be a really fun show, um, and hopefully it progresses um, storylines and gives us a, 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 a bright future for the rest of the year, uh, you know, with TNA and uh, what they got going on. Yeah, and then the revealing of the, the next uh, Hall of Fame, DNA, so uh, should be interesting stuff. I agree. You know, and it's funny. I really like Gunner too. I, I think they they oversold the uh, surprise factor. He sh- he just should have maybe Storm should just come out with him. You know, here's my partner. They come out together. Uh, you know, it, it was I guess it was an entertaining moment, but you know, it wasn't anything that uh, blew me away. But I like Gunner, and hopefully this leads to bigger and better things uh, from Gunner. So uh, that'll be this Sunday. Our Slammiversary pregame show. Dave, great show tonight. Did you have a good time? I had a blast, yes. I always do. I tell you that every week. It won't change. Great to be back. Great to be back talking wrestling. Again, thank you to Lucky13, Jordan Thomas, Nunzio, and stuff they donated for our cancer benefit. This is the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. For Dave, I am Ken. Thank you all, and good night. <laughs>